Basics International, but uh, we are changing a little bit of directions there, so it's called Miss You Serve. And the reason for that is because we are uh, making a program to, to uh, help any missionary from anywhere, from any church, from any uh, mission that needs to go to the field. And so we give some trainings of what goes on that field, uh, culture and uh, language school and all that and teach them all that. So uh, recently we just joined with another mission to do the same thing and uh, we just had a meeting a couple of weeks ago, uh, all the all the staff that works here, and I came from Honduras and uh, put the program in front of us so we know what we're doing. And uh, we provide internship also for those who uh, want to go, probably some young students, college students, they want to see, they want to be a missionary, they want to see what it is like on the mission field and uh, meet the people. So uh, they send it to us and then we show them what we're doing and how we're doing it. So if that's what the Lord is gonna call them, so they go back, they receive some more training and then finally they send it to our field. Now, as far as my wife and I are concerned, we came here uh, uh, to the States because we had some medical needs and we are attending to those. Please pray about that. My wife had uh, vascular surgery on her leg uh, just a couple of weeks ago, no, three weeks ago. And then uh, the doctor left, so he hasn't seen her again for the post-op, so he's gonna do that when we come back to, to Tampa in Florida. But uh, mainly my ministry is number one, preaching. I, I preach everywhere, wherever they say, will you come and preach? Yes, I am there. and. Uh, I preach in the local church there in, in Siguatepeque, the town that we are in Honduras. And uh, sometimes uh, we take turns. Our uh, main pastor has been sick for several months. So my son, who's also a missionary and a preacher, takes turns and I take my turn and so forth. But also I go to other churches. Uh, for example, for this year, uh, we have an invitation to go to Colombia. That was the country where I was born. And uh, we will go there and we'll give a conference of uh, seven days to a church there uh, because they hear the program that we have on the air. And that program is through the Bible radio in Spanish. You've, you've heard J. Vernon McGee, did you? Yes. Well, we do the same thing that he does, except that I don't have that accent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, people are enchanted with uh, the teaching of that program. I have gone to churches to preach this. Are you the one who preaches on through the Bible? Yes, I am. Well, sir, thank you so very much for that program. I, I started to listen since, my, uh, since I was a kid with my dad by the radio every night we just listen to the programs I said no wonder I have white hair at this point <laughs> but that's the way it goes uh, this week tomorrow we will go to uh, Cary, North Carolina uh, 
where the uh, headquarters for Transworld Radio are, and uh, because I started with Transworld Radio, and so uh, we are going to celebrate the 50, 50th anniversary of Through the Bible. Please pray for this meeting, we make an interview and so forth, and then publish it on the radio. But people are coming to the Lord. It, it is fantastic what the Lord uh, is doing through radio. I loved radio when I was uh, a teenager, and the Lord opened the opportunity to go there to Bonaire in the Netherlands and Tillis, work with Transfer Radio, and then we started doing the translation of Through the Bible in Spanish. I myself was so blessed with that program as I presented it, and the Lord taught me many things too. So keep praying for that. Uh, through the Bible has withdrawn the program from Transworld Radio as of last week uh, because they want to use other uh, electronic means like uh, CDs and all that, and they have given that to people, and so the Lord is going to use a different media. But people are listening everywhere. Besides that, there are more Christian stations in Latin America now, which is a, a real blessing. BBN has... Uh, a couple of stations in Colombia and in Argentina, Chile, and so people will listen through that. So pray about uh, the blessing of the Lord that the program will continue to uh, touch lives. My wife and I went for the 69th anniversary of the Christian station in Guatemala City. They invited me to be the speaker, so I went there, and uh, they had rented a special uh, room to for the people. It was in a park, and uh, it was like a, like a basketball court, and that was full of people like that. And then I was told that they had to get another another room the same way and put a screen there. And so they told me the director of the conference told me that uh, there were about eight thousand people here listened to the gospel. And uh, this really rejoices my heart. That's what I've been <laughs> called to do. And so we appreciate, my wife and I, appreciate so, so very much your prayers in our behalf. And believe me, the Lord hears those prayers. He answers those prayers. We have been sometimes in some needs. And uh, my wife said, there's a rhetorical question. I said, what is it? What are we going to do about this and this and that? I say, you know, uh, honest answer? She said, yes. I don't know. But the Lord knows. And uh, he hasn't left it in the 58 years, is that what right? In ministry. And so uh, that's because you're here backing us in prayer. We are the soldiers on the field, and you are the, 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 the headquarters here sending those prayers, and the Lord is blessing uh, every day. And we want to uh, give you our thanks for what we're doing. Uh, then I have another trip to uh, Ecuador this year, too, and then Guatemala again. So pray for that. Some of them are physically tiring. You know, you have to go from, in Guatemala especially, I go 10 days and I go one church every day. So by the time I come home, but with my heart rejoicing for the people that have come and heard the gospel. So, 
you know, this is what we find in the Bible that uh, the word will be preached, but we are seeing other signs. The Lord is at, is at the door. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is coming and is coming soon. We may see him coming during our life. We may not, but that he's coming, he is coming. And all the things that you find that you read in the book of Revelation are taking place at this time. So be sure that uh, do what the Lord has given you to do. Talk to your neighbor, talk to your family, talk to your son, your daughter, and all that, so that they may come to Christ before it is too late. Thank you for your support. It is, it is so much of a help. We are so thankful. And so continue to pray for us that the Lord is going to use us for his son and glory. I said, somebody asked, well, how old are you? I said, well, I'm in her. And so I uh, don't tell him my age. No, I said, no, I am 84. And in June, I will be 85. And, uh, but <laughs> yeah, he says like that. And he says, why not you retire? No, I I'll never retire. I said, I'll go when the Lord says, come up hither. Then I'll go, then I'll go. But otherwise, I'll keep going. Of course, it, it, some of the uh, screws over here start getting loose, and I probably have to sit around for a while. But otherwise, I'll keep going. Keep your prayers up. Thank you so very much. The Lord bless you. Amen. What a blessing to hear that he's 84 years old and still serving the Lord. And uh, praise the Lord. And the preacher said, say hallelujah. Amen. That's God, brother and sisters. Amen. If you're able, please stand. We'll start our singing this morning as, as in praise and honor to the Lord. Love lifted me, hymn number 508. Psalm 1816 says, He sent from above, He took me, He drew me out of many waters. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained with sin, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to him I give everything in his blessed presence live ever his praises sing love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best songs faithful loving service to to him belong love lifted 
this morning. God's love, Jesus' love, lifts us up. Amen. Save, save. Hymn number 500. We'll do our next song. Titus 3.5 tells us, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And there requires a hallelujah on my part for his mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Saved, saved. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love And all along 
divine Saved to new life sublime Sweet and my joy is complete For I'm saved, saved, saved And the people said, Amen Victory in Jesus Hymn number 353 1 Corinthians 1557 tells us But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's where our victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Victory in Jesus. <coughs> I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior Sought me and bought me so 
soul with his redeeming blood. Praise God. He loved me Before we sit down, let's have a little greeting time. Shake hands. Welcome, everyone. You can move around. You can stay where you're at, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Let's just make sure we catch all our visitors and make them feel welcome. And we're glad you're here today if you're a first-time visitor. God bless you. Find your way back to your seats. We got Brother Tony Hicks is going to come, and he's got a special for us this morning. So, as you find your way back, let's continue to worship the Lord and praise God for what He's doing. Good morning. Well, before I get into before I get into singing, I, the Lord has laid something on my heart to to share with y'all, and uh, I have uh, for about six months now. I have uh, felt the call to preach, and uh, I have run from it and run for it. I said uh, I didn't want to be a preacher because um, I had a dad preaching. Josiah, he was called to preach. And uh, there's just so many that have, uh, have not been called to preach and have stepped forward 
and started to preach when they're not called and I made a mess out of things and I said Lord Lord I don't want to uh, I don't want to I don't want to do that but uh, people would here and there I mean it was in the church at work friends I knew would would make comments saying you know when when are you going to go ahead and surrender to the call to preach and I'm I'm sitting there like what what am I what am I doing to make y'all say this stuff um, but uh, I, I just I told myself that I, I wasn't I wasn't humble enough to preach I wasn't I wasn't smart enough I didn't have the ability to speak um, and uh, I said that I you know I was too full of pride I couldn't I would I would start to preach and then get bragged on and then I would like the glory that I was getting and I wouldn't give the glory to God but uh, the Lord has laid it upon my heart he said you just let me worry about that and uh, I tried to tell people no I, I was meant to just just sit and help out and I wasn't I wasn't supposed to preach and uh, I told people that but the conviction would not go away I tried everything I could to get away from that conviction but the conviction followed me it would not it wouldn't give up and uh, I remember Thursday uh, me Joe and Tammy and my wife we met for dinner and because I had told Joe that I wanted to talk to him about it and uh, I was asking them the same thing I've been asking everybody else why does why does everybody make these comments why what am I doing to make people say this stuff and uh, Cammy probably give me the best answer nobody else would give me an answer but Cammy gave me one Thursday she said when you're up there testifying and when you're up there sharing scripture in your heart it doesn't come from you and that uh, that was the best encouragement that that I could get because I am nothing I'm a wretch I'm a sinner but God being rich in mercy he reached down and he saved me I haven't been the same ever since and uh, I told Joe I said I'm ready to surrender and uh, Friday night I was getting ready to read scripture and I said Lord I just I, it's all there but I just I need a word from you let me know that I'm doing the right thing and I said uh, first thing I turned to I'm going to read it and I uh, turned to Nehemiah 6 I said well that's that's not really what I'm aiming for there I was more thinking of maybe uh, some encouragement from a psalm or uh, you know maybe some instruction from Paul's letters but uh, just as I was getting ready to turn the page as conviction laid a hold of me said no you you need to read this and uh, I read in Nehemiah 6. It said, Now it came to pass in Sembelet and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sembelet and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the village in the plain of Ono. But they thought, to do me mischief and sent messengers unto them 
saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort. And I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Wherein was written, it is reported among the heathen in Geshem, Geshemu, saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words, Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Then I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou friendest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. And uh, as I begin to read that, that passage, I thought, well, uh, what does this have to do with my, my situation here? And the Lord laid upon my heart that God had a good work that he was going to do through me. I said, well, where's the, where's the enemies telling me, you know, that uh, you're not good enough or that you just want to be king? I ain't got nobody saying that to me. It came within my heart. We don't think about sometimes the biggest enemy being within our own hearts. But the Bible says, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And uh, I just, uh, God just convicted me. He said, yeah, you're, you're selfish, you're prideful, you're evil, but God can take our wicked hearts and turn them into a display for his glory. And uh, lately I've been, the more I've been burdened to preach, the more I've thought about reasons why there is a need for more preachers. Because we, we live in a we live in a time in today's day and age where preachers are not preaching the truth. Preachers are not hungry for the truth. They're not hungry for the Lord. Our culture is plagued with a Christless Christianity. Scripture says they worship me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. I think that describes a lot of what we're seeing today is that people come to church they sing the songs they listen to the preaching and they say boy that really stepped on my toes well what good does it do to step on your toes if they're numb people have grown cold to the word of God we've got a whole lot of people putting faith in a prayer that they once said that's not that's not salvation. We get salvation through that. But, uh, you know, in court, men get up before the jury and they put their hand on a Bible and they swear that they uh, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. How many of you know that that's just words they said? They didn't really mean a bit of that. It's just a formality. It, it, it didn't 
they've had no, no conviction on their heart. Christ calls us to see the wicked creature that we are. And we are wicked, despite what you might think of yourself. Romans gives us a whole list of, of what we are. And the only way we're going to look for a solution is if we realize we have a problem. That being said, I, I uh, desire y'all's prayers for me. Um, pray for my wife also. She has been my number one supporter. She's been with me since I was 13. and I, If you'd have told me over a year ago that I'd be up here telling you folks this, I'd have told you it's crazy. But uh, y'all pray for me. Pray for my family. Um, pray that pray that I allow me to get out of the way so that God can have the glory and that I can just surrender all to him when I'm up here preaching. Thank you. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus,
to worship you. Praise the Lord. We're getting all kind of great blessings this morning. That was a blessing, Tony. The testimony and the song. Thank God for you. Please bow your head and close your eyes. And please pray with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, this is the day you made. We rejoice and are glad in him. Thank you for your mercy. You extend it to us one more day. Thank you for your love you give us one more day. Lord, thank you for everything you've done for us this week, years past. Lord, uh, your blessings is appreciated and not taken for granted. Thank you so much for everything you've given us. And Lord, everything you've given us is yours, and we praise you for it. And when it help us to give back as you've given to us, Lord, always. Thank you, Lord, for our pastor, and we ask, Lord, you bless him as he brings the message here today. Give him liberty and power, and Lord, uh, freedom to speak and uh, preach your word. And may we, as sheep of your pasture, Lord, be obedient to your word and listen to your word and be attentive and help us to be changed and help us to, Lord, be revived. Help us to desire in our heart to be changed and be more like you and be revived. Lord, we pray all these things, ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, please stand one more time. And we'll sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God. Uh, worthy is the Lamb of God. Revelation, excuse me, Revelation 5.12. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb.
sin and shame in love you came and gave amazing grace thank you for this love lord thank you for the nail pierced hands wash me in your cleansing flow now all i know your forgiveness and embrace worthy is the lamb seated on the throne we crown you now with many crowns you reign victorious high and lifted up jesus darling of heaven crucified worthy is the lamb worthy is the lamb worthy is the lamb amen give the lord a great big hand and and now our pastor come and preach the wonderful, powerful Word of God. Boy, what a day. Amen? If you're worried about time, you're worried about the wrong reasons anyways. We need the Lord to meet with us. And if we came for anything besides meeting with the Lord, your heart's in trouble. You might need a longer service. You might need a touch from the Lord. Take your Bible tour with me to Haggai chapter number 1. Haggai chapter number 1. Today Christ has already been preached. He's going to be preached some more. The name of Jesus has been lifted up. He needs to be lifted up some more. There's nothing more that you and I are called to do or could ever do that is ever going to amount to lifting up the name of Jesus. Today, if you've got no other reason to praise God, you might feel that you've got nothing to praise God for in your own life today. We've got several reasons that we've already seen today. We've got missionaries on the field serving Christ, preaching Christ to the nations, places that we could never go or never will go. Many of us never dare to go. We've got folks who are being saved because of the gospel preaching on radio stations. When's the last time you listened to the gospel preaching on the radio station here? Let, unless you turn in a 98.1, maybe on a sunny morning, but I'm hoping you're here, but don't happen too often. We're seeing God call young men and families to preach the Word. We're finding the Lamb who is worthy, demonstrating day by day and moment by moment His worthiness. Christ will never ever be lifted high enough. We have forever and forever to go, but forever should start today. We must live today in light of eternity. And I want you to know, before we get into this message today, I want to ask you today, do you know the Lamb? Have you trusted in the Lamb who was slain, His body broken, His death instead of yours, His blood shed instead of yours, to cleanse you, 
from your sin to clothe you in His own righteousness? Have you bowed your knee before the Lamb? Have you put your trust in Christ alone? If not today, long long before we get to the end of the service, if you have not today, right now, before we go any further, call out to Christ. Ask Him to save you. Call upon His mercy. Put your trust in His death, burial, and resurrection. You shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God that the Gospel is the power of God unto salvation. There is no other power. There is no other way to be saved. Today, if you're looking for self-help, if you're looking for religion, go next door somewhere else. We don't have that here. We have Christ being preached. The Scriptures being preached. We need to know the Lamb of God and to lift up the name of Jesus. We don't need mere religion. We don't need a mere churchianity. We need the Gospel of God. We need not a more of a knowledge about God. And you can read the Bible eight ways this Sunday and get to know about God, but you must know Him. A knowledge about will never save. Do you know Christ today? Do you know Him? Here in Haggai chapter 1, I want to read verses 1-6. through A couple of Wednesday nights ago, the Lord places upon my heart to go through this as we're looking, reviving a reverence of God that we must consider our ways. We're approaching Revival Week next week and many of us talk about revivals. There's not one person in this room today who would probably raise their hand and say, you know, preacher, I don't think we need a revival in this nation. However, the issue that I would say to most of us today is that we talk about a revival being needed in the nation. However, we need a revival in our own hearts. We talk about the sinfulness and the wickedness of the world around us, but we must consider our ways. I'll let God consider the way of the world. I've already looked, and by the way, He's already told us what it looks like. It's wicked, it's awful, it's sinful, it's going to get worse, it's going to be reprobate, and it will one day in the tribulation curse the Lamb. And if you are not in Christ, you're cursing Him and your sinful condition. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you've been a member. I don't care what kind of spiritual condition you think you're at. If you are not in Christ, you're in a bad way. What we look at is this. We talk much about revival, but revival is for the church. Revival is to revive, to refresh that which already had life. The issue is, much of us in church, in our Christian life, we have grown weak, lethargic, anemic, uncaring, apathetic, and that's just at best. We've looked more at our watch today than the cross. Even now we're wondering how long will this message take place? I've got lunch to get. I want you to know there is eternity at stake for what this day holds. I'll give you the excuse to linger longer today. You're not having church here tonight. You've got all the reason that you can linger with God. Haggai chapter 1 says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shelatel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you? 
O ye to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earth wages, earth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Let us pray. God, we thank You that while we have neglected Your church, God, we've neglected a community and a nation. Our world is in shambles. Our homes are in trouble. God, we've neglected Your house. We have failed to revere Your holy name and Your presence. We care more about programs and getting out on time than we do meeting with You. And oh God, that's shame on us. God, we need Your presence more than anything. We need Your power to give unction to this preacher. God, I have not strength today. It must be You who preaches Your Word to these people. God, You care more about these hearts out there than I ever could. God, You you had Your Son crushed and bleed for them. God, may each one today see Christ afresh and anew. God, may we consider our ways before You. God, that we be revived. God, that Your presence would linger with us. That You would change us, O God. Convict us. Save us. In Christ's name, Amen. Real revival ignites a reverence for the Word, the worship, and the work of God. Reverence used to be something. Reverence used to be a part of the church. Now it's considered old-fashioned. I heard it said not too long ago that we used to call Sundays the Lord's Day. Then we called it Church Day. Then we called it Sunday. And now we call it Sunday Fun Day. We have lost what it means to revere meeting with God in God's house, in God's presence, with God's people. We have exchanged the Word of God for what man has to say. We have exchanged the worship of God for the worship of man and self-pleasure, self-satisfaction. We have exchanged the work of God desiring that He would not move amongst us but that we might have something to offer Him. We've got nothing to offer Him except everything He's already given us. Whatever you offer to God today, He already gave it to you. It belongs to Him. Every breath, every moment, every dollar, every article of clothing, every minute of your life, and yet our schedules appear to have less and less time for the Word of God, the worship of God, and the work of God. And we wonder why we are restless and unsettled and unrevived, and I would say unregenerated, without life. We remain unconvicted and unconvinced of sin. We remain unchanged. We come into the God's house without ever expecting to be changed by the Word of God, thinking it's merely going to be another sermon. It'll merely be another song. We'll be out of there by 12. We'll head to lunch. We'll go home. We'll do it again next week. And you'll remain that way until you understand that God does desire to change you. And His Word will do so. 
But your faithless heart will leave you destitute and broken and without a true knowledge of the God that you claim to know. We are destitute in the church today. Revival that stirs your hands to work but not your heart to worship is not a revival at all. Since I've been here, I've heard nothing but good things for the most part. Praise God. But I've heard an awful lot of Monday morning quarterbacks of, you know, we need this ministry, we need that ministry. And I've had the response, well, would you like to lead? No, I can't lead that. I'm just telling you, we need it. It's wonderful. You realize that we can't have nursery fully staffed every week in this church? Not because we don't have the people. It's because we don't have the burden. Because we want the burden of children to be pawned off on someone else. We want the burden of ministry upon the professionals of which we pay. And as long as my hands don't get dirty, I can come in. Get there when nickel in the coffers played and feel good about my spiritual condition. I could talk about revival, maybe invite a few folks to revival. I'm not planning on attending, but I'll give the preacher good reason as to why not. We need revival. We don't need it next Sunday when we have some faithful men from the outside come in to preach. We need it today. We need it now. Revival will not just make us active for God, but it will leave us in awe of God. And the reason why we're not active enough to have enough volunteers to take care of babies is because we've lost an awe of God. And those babies will grow up and they'll have less of an awe than you have, than I have. That's why there's no youth. That's why our families are broken. It's not because other churches have the activity. Oh, they do. I'll take an awe of God over activity. I'll take knowing God over busy work. I'll take God's hand upon this pulpit and upon every pew than for my busy, wicked hands to do a thing. God has entrusted us with His Word. He's entrusted you and I with His very worship, with His very name. He's entrusted us with the work of God. He desires not merely for us to do things for Him, but rather He desires to do things through us. We're now to be tools and vessels. And the only tool and vessel fit for the use of God is one emptied of self and filled by the Spirit. We're so full of the world and full of the flesh We empty of ourselves just enough to show up. Just enough to get a little dose of religion. To go home and not ponder it. Or to tuck it away so we don't let conviction linger too long because it will make us uncomfortable. We need to be shaken and we need to be broken. Here in Haggai we find this. That our responsibility is to revere the Lord. Ravenhill put it this way, today's church wants to be raptured from responsibility. That's where we're at. We need to consider our ways. This is where 
Jerusalem had gotten. This is where Judah had gotten. This is where Israel had gotten. And this is where the church today has gotten. And it will wax worse. We look at the context, verses 1-4. through four. The remnant that was in captivity has returned and they have begun to rebuild. And they have rebuilt everything except God's house. They've rebuilt their homes and they sealed them. Meaning the idea is that they've made their homes sure, steadfast, and they've even started the decorating process. They're putting fertilizer out. They're edging. They're planting gardens. They're living fairly comfortable in their homes. Meanwhile, all that's there of the temple is the foundation and they've let it lie and waste for 14 years. I want to talk about a people that needed revival. A lack of reverence then led to a lack of resources. And we'll see that here in verse 6. They thought they were okay. They thought they had something. They thought they were spiritual, but they were spiritually bankrupt. They were tipping God with monopoly money. They were merely playing at being saved. And there's plenty today, even in this room, playing at knowing Christ. Do you know the Lord who suffered and died for your sins? Or are you merely playing at it? Are you playing church? Are you playing Christian? Do you need to be born again? In verse 5, we're going to see that before revival came, there had to be this consideration. We must have that today. Long before next week comes. Verse 5, Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Or we can consider the ways of other denominations that have gone awry, and there's plenty of those. We can consider churches, even our own town, that have gone awry and astray. He says, consider your ways. He does not say consider the ways of the family in front of you that just showed up, or the family in front of you that showed up after being gone for some time. Or consider the way of the family that's got some crying babies in a service. I'll take a crying baby over a silent, silent service any day. Of a cold Christian who's lost his love. I'll take a crying baby any day. Consider our ways. Oh, us Baptists, we love to consider the ways of everyone else. We love to consider the ways of other Baptists and you and I base our spirituality not based upon measuring up to God's standards or giving God glory in our life. You and I think that we've attained something by looking around and going, well, I'm here more than so-and-so, so I'm better than them. I volunteer a couple more times than so-and-so, so I'm doing okay there. You know, I'm not the top. I don't have a position or a title, but you know, I'm hanging in there. I'm pretty good. I'm doing all right. Oh, if that's you this morning, consider your ways. Revival will not take place until we come back to that reverence. But you and I think that we revere God in such a way, but our life begs to differ. Our walk with God begs to differ. Our volunteer sheets beg to differ. Our worship begs to differ. Our children beg to differ. Our grandchildren beg to differ. Our homes beg to differ. And notice this in verse 5. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. This is God's authoritative word. God's authoritative word is the only applicable truth for the apathetic heart. 
The apathetic heart does not need self-help or to pick himself up by his bootstraps. He does not need more religion. He does not need more homework and works to do. He needs to know God. Long before his hands will work at the temple, his heart needs to know how to worship God in order to rebuild. Our hearts need to know God. We must consider our ways. If we don't revere the words, thus saith the Lord of hosts, it's because we don't actually revere the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is His name. Lord of hosts. Hosts of what? Hosts of an infinite number of an angelic army. He is strong and mighty in power. There is none as wise. None who match His power or His presence. He is the Creator God. He is the One who spoke all things, holds all things, and at His very will and grace, you and I exist today. That's the Lord of hosts. That's the God that you claim to know and to worship today. Do you revere the Lord of hosts? The Lord of hosts is His name. His words show His worth. And our response to His words tell us and tell on our hearts what we really think about God. When you thus saith the Lord, or thus saith the Lord of hosts, what do you think? Does your heart close up and go, oh, now it's the part of the service that I can, I can just zone out on. My part's over. I got to sing. I got to shake hands. And now the preacher does his thing and we'll get out of here shortly. My friend, this is as much time for you to participate as it was 15 minutes ago. You must consider your ways every time this book is open, whether in your home or behind a pulpit. We must consider our ways. Thus said the Lord of hosts. Here's what He says. The first message that He gives is consider your ways. Oh, the religious elite at this point, they have not built the temple in Haggai 1 yet, but what they've done is they've considered the ways of the harlot. They say, oh boy, that harlot sure is wicked. That harlot sure is sinful. That adulterer, I've never heard of such vileness. That blasphemer, oh, I've never heard of someone so wicked to blaspheme the name of God. Oh, that liar and that cheater, that stealer, oh, I've considered them. They are wicked. They're vile. They need the Lord. You and I, we've considered everybody else and every other sin except for the sins that so easily beset us. He's calling us to consider our ways, not the ways of those around us. Today, God wants to do business with you. Do you want to do business with God? The idea of considering your ways, it is to think on, to set your heart on. It is a command to actively consider our ways, first inwardly, then outwardly, and upwardly. You and I often want to consider our hands' works. We go, well, you know, we hear the old, old sayings, you know, I don't drink, I don't chew, don't smoke, don't date girls that do all that stuff. We talk about all these outward things. We're not doing all the bad sins. Uh, that's fine. You can not do all the bad sins you want, but that lustful heart when no one's looking is just as wicked and vile, just as adulterous, just as idolatrous. That heart that, that looks and goes astray, that heart that is distracted from the presence of God, that is not left in awe of God, it's just as wicked as the adulterer and the pervert out there. Don't think it's not. He says you need to consider your ways. The idea was used as a figure of speech to put your heart on your roads. The idea is what direction are you headed in? What is the direction of your heart today? Right now, what you're thinking about, that's the direction of your heart. Where you spend your money and your time and your efforts and your energy, that's where your heart is. That is the direction of which you are going. There are those who are going on the broad way. There are those who are going the way of the world. 
That is a way that leads to damnation and destruction. You must be born again and placed and adopted and placed upon the, the narrow way. The narrow way is not a way of your works, but rather the works of Christ who holds us steadfast. He holds us sure. We can trust Him because His work is, is full and final complete upon the cross and His work is still being accomplished in and through us. He said, He who has begun a good work, He shall complete it. We can trust that when we're on the narrow way, we remain such. Though we might fall, though we might stumble, God will hold us fast. We need to consider our ways today, church. As we said earlier, real revival ignites a reverence for the Word, the worship, and the work of God. How much do we revere these things? We need to consider our way with the Word of God, first of all. Your Christian life begins and ends with this book. This is the bread of life, the water of life, and many of us remain unfilled and thirsty. Why? Not because this bread isn't good or sufficient, not because this water is not tasty or nourishing. It is because you and I eat and drink from everything else. We have appetites and thirst for the world, and the world will never satisfy. It will leave you parched and dry and weary. You need the bread of God. Are you in the Word? Maybe so. You might be reading in the flesh. It will profit you nothing. To read the Word of God as it were just a phone book or a list of instructions of do's and don'ts, it will accomplish nothing in you and through you. But I want you to know this is the power of God. To read it by faith in the power of the Spirit, it will illuminate your eyes. It will illuminate your heart. It will convict you of sin. It will reprove, rebuke, and exhort you with all long-suffering and doctrine because this book alone is able to show us our need of our Savior. It alone is able to reveal our Savior to us and to show us day by day of our great need of coming to Him to eat and to drink all who are weary, all who are thirsty, all who are hungry. Spurgeon put it this way about the Word. He said, the more you read the Bible, and the more you meditate on it, the more you will be astonished with it. We're no longer in awe of God, and it's because we're no longer left astonished by His Word. God takes His Word far more seriously than what you and I do. Psalm 138 says, I will praise Thee with my whole heart. Oh, to God that we would praise Him with our whole heart. Oh, how we praise Him with half a heart. We praise Him with a distracted heart. We praise Him with a divided heart. And I would say to do so is to not praise God. Before the gods I will sing praise unto Thee. I will worship toward Thy holy temple and praise Thy name for Thy loving kindness and for Thy truth. For Thou hast magnified Thy Word above all Thy name. God cares about His Word. Jesus is called the very Word, the divine revelation, the Logos of God. He reveals to us what is needed. He is the incarnate Word. And He has given us the inspired Word for us to know Christ, to know God, to walk with Him. I can tell you why our homes are in shambles. Because we've stopped reviewing the Word of God. When's the last time, dear husband, dear father, that you sat and you read the Bible with your wife and your children? When is the last time that you took the Word of God seriously enough in your house to have more Word in the house than Hobby Lobby can sell? We have settled for the Word of God being a decoration. We are not dedicated to the Word of God. And the Scripture shows us 
that because we lack a reverence for God's Word, we lack spiritually. The greatest thing, husbands and fathers, you can ever do for your family is to lead them by the Scriptures through the Scriptures. You can make it to every ball game. You can make it to every practice. You can run them ragged and give them every opportunity in the world. But if you show them not the Word of God, you are a failure. Our families are failing and our churches are failing because we refuse to revere the Word of God. This used to mean something. You and I say, well, you know, if we had that reverence of God, then, then you know, they wouldn't be taking down the Ten Commandments in courthouses. Forget the courthouse! We stopped revering the Word of God behind pulpits and everyone in the pew. Half the people, more than half of Christians, spend less than ten minutes a week statistically reading the Bible. You wonder why you're hungry? You wonder why you're thirsty? You wonder why you're not satisfied? You wonder why your life is a wreck? What a mess we're in. How little we revere the Word of God. If we could revere it just a fraction of the way that God Himself reveres His Word, we, we, we would have altars full. We would have pews full. You know why our pews remain empty? Look around. Look. Look around. Why is there so much space? It's not because they won't come. It's because we don't revere the Word of God. If we revered the Word of God, we'd be on our face asking God to save the most wicked and vilest sinners and to ask Him that we'd be the ones to give them the Gospel even if it means they punched us in the face when we did it. Because we don't care so much about the Word of God, we don't care so much about lost souls and empty pews and empty volunteer sheets or a nursery that can't get enough volunteers. Woe is us. In all our ways... And everything about our life, it must be in reverence to the Word of God. Moms, dads, have your kids caught you reading the Bible? It's better that they catch you reading the Bible than catch you hiding from mama watching porn. It's better they catch you reading the Bible together than they catch you arguing and fighting over money. You won't argue and fight over money if you revere the Word of God. We need revival. We need a reverence of the Word of God. And until we get a reverence for God's Word, we'll never have a reverence for the worship of God. Your children are counting on you to know the Word of God. They're counting on you to watch the worship of God. How will they know if you don't teach them? But you can't teach them unless you've been taught yourself. I can't make you worship God. I can't make you get in the Word. I can preach hot as hot can be. We can cut up the thermostat. We can make it warm and sweaty in here. But unless you get on your knees, unless you get your heart right with God, unless you consider your ways, your home and your heart will remain unchanged and you will be at fault and you will give an answer for your children. I will not. I will give an answer for what I say behind this pulpit and I have far too much to give an answer for already. We need to revere the Word. We need to revere the worship of God. You see, as we get into the Word, if you do so in the Spirit, it will lead you to a spirit of worship. We think worship is something that we simply just sing or do. Worship is your heart. Worship begins right here long before it comes out of the mouth. Same with every sin, by the way. You can go this way and you can go that way. The flesh, it starts here with sin here and here before it comes out here or comes out here. 
Same with the Spirit of God. It's going to begin here and here long before it comes out with, with voice of worship and triumph and victory in Jesus. Our worship life is both our thermostat and our thermometer. The less we worship, the colder our hearts. The halfway of worship that we got, boy, there's a draft in the house sitting there. Things start getting a little bit colder. Matter of fact, he talks about that. He says, you got clothes and you're not warm. you got a Bible. You've got clothes. You've got all these gifts that God has given to you and your spiritual life ain't even warm. We're barely lukewarm on a good day. And that's still just enough to make God sick. And we think we'll make Him smile. How we worship God will both raise and lower the temperature of our hearts. We need the heat. We need the warmth of revival. We need the fire that the Holy Ghost brings as He revives us and gives us a reverence of God's Word and the worship of God once more. Every now and again, you and I, we like those revival messages that get good and hot, but we're glad when they're over because we can go back to the rest of normal life. We need the heat. We need our hearts warmed up today. How warm is your heart? How are you spiritually? Your worship life will tell you. That's the answer. How you worship God will tell you where you're at. If you can sing what we've sung today and hear what we've heard today and be undone, it ain't the ones around you's fault. It's not God's fault. It's not the Word's fault. It's your heart that would rather sit in the cold, drafty home than be warmed by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. We need to look and consider our ways with the work of God. You and I think that we offer God something that we can give Him new and fresh ideas. There are no new and fresh ideas that we can offer God. God does not need us thinking outside of the box. Do you know that? He needs us thinking inside of the book. He needs us to be inside of this Bible. Now, I love creativity, but creativity outside of the Word of God is nothing but man trying to do what only God can do and what God ought to do. What we need God to do for us. Our work for God must be loving obedience, not loathsome obligation. Why did you come to church today? God allows us to participate in this program. God allows us to work for Him. He can do what He wants, and He can do it how He wants, and He chooses to use us. He's entrusted us. What a privilege it is to work for God. You and I have lost that. We think we offer God something that He needs us. God don't need me. He could squash me, kill me right now, and have revival today. God allows us to participate and to work for Him because it's for our good. It's our blessing. It's for our benefit to work for God. But it brings Him glory. When we do anything that's not for the glory of God alone, it is a work of wood, hand stubble. And I'm afraid that much of our church work and much of our Christian work is wood, hand stubble because we've done it for the glory of ourself or our church's name. Or to be better than the church down the road. Or to be better than the Christian who walked in late and looks a mess. You don't know what they're going through. 
Here, Tozer writes, we're here to be worshipers first and workers only second. We take a convert and immediately make a worker out of him. God never meant it to be so. God meant that convert should learn to be a worshiper. And after that, he can learn to be a worker. The work done by a worshiper will have eternity in it. Today, what you and I need is not just to get busy for God. We need to start believing Him. We need to start trusting Him. We need to be surrendered. We need to be expecting and begging of God to move amongst us, to change our hearts from the inside out. We need to revere God's Word. We need to revere the worship of God. And until we do those two things, we'll never be fit to work for God for a minute. Give me a worshiper over a worker any day. He said, what did Jesus say about it? Well, He made it pretty clear. There was two wonderful believing young ladies who were sisters. The one worked and she worked her fingers to the bone and she did a great job. She was a hard worker. You, were, you weren't going to find another one like her in the church. Another one like her in the home. But he said his sister who worshipped him at his feet did the greater work that day. I can tell you the greatest work you'll ever do for God is to get on your face and worship Him. The greatest work you'll ever do for your kids is not provide a, just a safe home and activities or uh, this opportunity to get education. The greatest work you'll ever do for your kids, the greatest work you'll ever do for your church, the greatest work you'll ever do for God is to worship Him. A heart that will be revived is a heart that reveres the Lord of hosts. Now look at verse 6. Verse 6 will go much faster. I know you're wondering. Not only do we need to consider our ways at verse 5, but look at verse 6. Verse 6 brings us to the place where we have to consider our waste. You know the amount of money that the American church wastes? You know the amount of money that the average American wastes? We waste more food than anybody in the world. We waste more water than anybody in the world. We waste more plastic and more this and more that. We waste more spiritual things than anybody in the world, I'd say. Here in verse 6, he says, you've sown much. That sounds good, doesn't it? You've sown much. What's that mean? You've worked much. You've done a lot. You've worked hard. You bring in little. Sound like your job. You work hard. Taxes come out. You, Man, there's little here. What in the world happened? I was working hard. See, you and I, we, we produce a lot of activity with church and with Christian things, and yet there's little fruit, and why is that? There's little fruit because there's little faithfulness. There's little fruit because there's a lack of reverence, and we're trying to do what God wants to do in the Spirit. We're trying to do it in the flesh. We're trying to replace preaching with programs and prayer with, with business meetings. We need the Lord, dear church. Consider your waste. Consider your own personal waste. How much time this week did you waste on social media? How much time did you waste and I waste this week not being in the Word? Not being with our families? Here's the modern home today. I can tell you how much you waste. Dear parents, do not waste your children. We've given them technology as a parent and as a friend. We wake up, we go to work. Mom goes to work, dad goes to work. Different sermon, different reason. We both go. We go out, we work hard. Our kid gets out of school that day, goes straight to a practice, 
And maybe if they're a good ball player, they go to another practice. All the while in the car rides, how was your day? What would you learn? Eh, nothing. And, we, and you take that as an answer. So you don't know what's happening in your child's life. You don't know what they're being taught. And all the while they're on their phone while you're trying to talk to them. You know, you know where they learn that? You. And you're the one that gave it to them. Then when you make it home, you grab a, a, a burger from, from Sliders, you head home, right? Now it's 7, 8 o'clock. You know what happens? Little, little Johnny, little Susie, they take their phone, they take their food, go upstairs, they sit down in their room, they eat their food, and they'll stay there the rest of the night playing on their, playing on their games, talking to their friends, on social media, talking to people they ought not be talking to. Mom's going to be in the kitchen cleaning. She's going to be upset, complaining about, well, you just don't do nothing. No one helps me around here. Kids won't help me. Husband won't help me. Because he's over here on his phone. Or he's out in the garage or in his man cave. Because I just need my time to unwind. What you just said, dear husband and father, is I don't have time for my child or my wife or this home. I worked hard, therefore I get to live my life. I've only got a few hours till I go to bed and do it the next day. I want you to know you are wasting that woman that you stood in front of God and man and said vows to, that you would honor her and love her and give your life for her and lead her to Christ. You've wasted that. You've got a child that you will not know and they won't know you and they won't know what a home really looks like or a family unit looks like. And they'll grow up and they'll depart, from the wor- uh, depart into the world and away from church. And you'll go, what happened? And your whole family was built around the activity of, of little Billy and Susie and Johnny and all these activities and all this busyness. And then you're standing there looking at somebody now that you're married to, your kids are gone, and it's just you two. And you go, well, I don't even know them. Of course you don't. And you wonder why. How many of you have heard of so many marriages the past few years, it seems, on, an, on a rise? 20, 30, 40 years of marriage. Calling it quits because we just don't know and love each other anymore. Why? Because we spent our whole life married to our phones, married to our jobs, married to our mortgages, and not married to the one that we said we loved, that God entrusts us with. Do not waste your home. Do not waste your family. Do not waste God's time and His grace in your life. Who do we think we are that we're so willing to waste the things of God? A revived heart knows both reverence and repentance. You see here in verse 6, they sowed much, bring in little, they eat, they have not enough. You drink, but they got, they're not filled. they got clothing, but they're not warm. They earn wages, but they're literally putting it into a bag with holes in it. Y'all ever feel like that? Tell you why, it's because your money's in the wrong place. We're living above our means. That's why we're in debt through our eyeballs. That's why we got houses we can barely afford that we barely spend time in with our families. We're paying thousand plus dollar mortgages 
for homes that are just hotels for us. What an atrocity. You see, they had work, and they knew how to work, but they didn't know how to worship. They had wasted their time with God. Is this you? Is this me? They had activity, but they were not accomplishing anything because they were apathetic. They really didn't care. They were glad to be busy for God. They were glad to be busy working away because it kept them the distractions of their real spiritual condition. And Brother Tony said it earlier. They professed God with their lips, but their hearts were far. If there's anything that's described the church today, that's us. Is that you right now? You say, well, it might be. You know, I could do better. I could try better. Do not try and do better. Ask God. Beg of God to change your heart. Or else no change will come. They sow. Bring in little fruit. They eat. They're still hungry and they still just don't have enough. They drink, but they're never full. And they're never satisfied. They're clothed, but they're still cold. They've got on the suit. They've got on the nice clothes on Sunday. The kids look good. The wife looks good. The husband, he's there. we got the nice car, the nice house, the picket fence. We've got the jobs. We've got the activity. Where is Christ in your home? Where is Christ in your heart? Where's the warmth of a reverence of God? They make wages, but waste them away. Know how we do that. What we find in verse 6 is that having the wrong priorities lead to spiritual poverty. Proverbs 13, verse 7 tells us this. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. You might have everything this world has to offer, but if you don't have Christ, you are bankrupt. Zero dollars, you got nothing. You can have all of these earthly things to pass along to your kids when you die. They will sell them or forget them or throw them away. Some will buy them for five bucks at Goodwill. And you will have wasted your life trying to please a child. All the while, you've got generations behind you who don't know the Lord. What an awful thought. But we've done that in the church for generations now. It's not the world's fault that the church is in the shape it's in. It's our fault. It's not the world's fault that our teenagers are gone. It's our fault because we let them in the world. And we let the world in them. Matthew tells us in chapter 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the thing of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. A root of reverence and repentance will bring reviving fruit. So let me ask you, do you want revival? You'd better start revering the Word, the work, and the worship of God. You'd better repent. You'd better ask God to cleanse your heart and your mind and to ask you, to ask God to, to help you, to strengthen you, to, to get on your face. You'd better put that phone down and pick up the Bible. You better gather your family from their separate rooms and get them 
and the Word of God. Consider your ways. Consider your waste. Why continue going down such a road? You say it's too late to change. No, it's not. Today's the day. Today, right now. Are you passionate about work? But not as much about worship? Are you passionate about your hobbies? That's nice. Are you passionate about holiness? Will your kids look to you when you pass and here's what they'll tell me when I bury you? Oh, he was so sweet. He, oh, I tell you, he's up there fishing now. No, he's not. He sure loved it. He sure loved this. He sure loved that. You know, he was a hard work. That's wonderful. That's great. It's admirable. Did he know Christ? Did he teach you to love the Lord your God? We aren't fit to work until we live a life of worship. You know the best workers in churches? They're the worshipers. They're not the ones that know the most, have the most, nicest clothes, or even volunteer the most. They're the ones that worship God in spirit and in truth. Give me those any day. Oh, to God that I'd be such. You see, we're not fit to worship though until we revere the Word of God. God will revive the revering and repentant heart. Consider your ways. Today, if you need Christ, come take the Bible and show you Jesus. Ask Him to save you. He'll save you to the uttermost. Today, dear husband, dear wife, mom, dad, have you considered your ways lately? Have you considered the state of your home the state of your children, the state of your grandchildren. Dear church, have you considered the state of where we're at today? Will you consider your ways and will we get things right before God today? Let's all stand this morning. What hymn number? Number 591. 591. Have thine own way. Thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am.
Savior divine, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, hold o'er my being, absolute sway, fill with thy spirit, till all shall see, Christ Amen. Tony, Chris, would y'all come up here? He asked us to pray for him, and I think